welcome back to this week's episode of Spread Talk. As always, I'm Isaac. I'm Will. And we will be previewing week five of the NFL, but we'll be starting with a baseball story. Will, do you want to kick that off? Yeah, so last night, um, or not last night, a couple nights ago, I think. Yeah, two nights ago. Um, whenever the Dodgers and the Cardinals played great game, by the way, Um, great game. I didn't get to watch much of it because I was at work, but from what I saw, it was, it was very good. Chris Um, Taylor, the one that I would have thought coming up in the big spot of all the Dodgers (laughs) on that roster, I would not have guessed Chris Taylor, but you know, Hey, I mean, everyone in that lineup is dangerous. That seems kind of scary. Cody (laughs) Bellinger batting seventh still something like that. He also hasn't had a great year, but he's turned around a little bit after he got that haircut shaved. But hey, I agree. Haircuts, haircuts make the player. I've always felt this way. But anyways, continue. Yep. Um, no, I thought I just wanted to talk about how cool it was uh, to see to see Juan Soto and I think the Nationals hitting coach sitting there behind home plate wearing. Uh, I think I think Soto is wearing a Trey Turner Nats jersey, so I just thought it was really cool. You know, it's bigger than baseball. You want to see your friends do well, so I thought it I thought it was awesome that they were just sitting there supporting not only Trey Turner but I but Max Scherzer on the mound. So that was that was awesome in my opinion. I just wanted to mention that real quick. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of the beginning of the baseball playoffs. What else happened? The Red Sox kind of ran the Yankees out of town in Beantown. Um, Garrett, yeah, Cole, Garrett Cole got shelled. $300 million for three innings. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's baseball financing for you. But um, also, uh, Nathan Eovaldi pitched an absolute gem against the Yankees. Um, the Green Monster, however. Oh, yeah. But the Green Monster was the Yankees' Uh, worst enemy, the Red Sox best friend, because I think it took three Giancarlo Stanton home runs off the board, uh, one in the first inning, and Stanton ended up going three for four with a home run. So let me be clear, single, double, and a home run. He, he could have gone four for four or three for four with uh, three home runs in the wild card game, two of which hit off the top part of the monster. The other one he sent into the short porch in right field. Um but yeah, that just goes to show that there is a serious home field advantage in baseball. I've always found it odd um, that it's just part of the game, that every field is different, incredibly different. Um, I mean, I think it's cool. Don't get me wrong, but I've always found it. Yeah, odd. I think that- it's the only professional sport or non-professional sport for that matter, like college athletics. It's the only sport where every venue is different. Um, there is no continuity on the playing field. Um, just from the from a theory of baseball standpoint, I think it's quite peculiar. I'm not saying I would do away with it because I think it's what makes baseball beautiful and all that stuff. And these historic baseball fields with their weird dimensions are what gives it its uh, gravitas and its grandeur. But like, isn't it odd um, if the Cleveland Browns played a game and the north facing end zone was sloped down? And the Browns always started towards the north facing end zone. That'd be like a very distinct home field advantage. But obviously that isn't the case. Um, it's just interesting to see how the different baseball fields play into 
the different games because that happened in the Red Sox Yankees game, but in the Rays versus Red Sox game, Nelson Cruz hit a home run off of the catwalk in the indoor trap. So the fact that the stadium is really playing into the, the game is um, it's just unique is what I'm going to say about it. Yeah. I, I love that about baseball, how everything's different. Uh, I just, I, I think it's super cool. And, and in some cases it'll, it'll play to a major home field advantage. Think of, think of the Red Sox. I mean, they're playing the Yankees, a team with, a majority right-handed power bats. I'm yeah. not going to say all of them because they traded for Gallo. Congratulations so. to um, Anthony Rizzo, I guess. But, like, yeah, a majority of right-handed power bats. Yeah. So the fact that they have that big monster wall in left field, because they're not only are they power bats, but they tend to pull the ball a little bit. Oh, yeah, they are Obviously, not. They don't go with strong enough to hit it out everywhere. But <laughs> they're six foot six, their arms are long enough that they can get around on an outside fastball. They don't have to push that the other way. Like judges yeah. can get their arms and their body around an outside fastball and pull it still. We've seen it many yeah. times. So that really played to the, to the Red Sox advantage. But playoff baseball, nothing. Playoff baseball. Let me just say that. Uh, one last thing about that, about Giancarlo Stanton. Whenever he hits a home run, it might be the most aggressive explosion of a baseball off of a bat that I've ever seen. And it's always him. It is always him. It's never anyone else in the league. It is always Giancarlo Stanton sending baseballs into orbit. The (laughs) only other person that I could think comes close is Tatis, but um, Stanton's home runs are in a kind of a league of their own, so to speak. And it's crazy. I don't know how he generates that much torque. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, one more thing I did want to mention on the baseball front, saw a picture of Clayton Kershaw celebrating, uh, the wild card win and he had his shirt off and I'm just going to say Clayton Kershaw with, with no shirt kind of just looks like a normal dude. Just a normal guy. Just a normal dad, a normal guy, little, little dad bod. Yeah. Friday beers. Yeah. Not, not what you expect from a guy who's been, you know, one of the best in the game the last 10 years. I mean, you've so. seen those photos of Eli Manning. You know, the infamous yeah. boat picture ever since the Giants yep. that photo. They've had the worst record in the NFL, including an 0-15 Cleveland Browns. Um, let the record show. But we do not body shame on this podcast. Good for Clayton Kershaw for doing what he loves at such a high level while having a beer every night. Clearly. Respectful. I respect it. I agree. I agree. And so also in that same photo, Walker Bueller kind of just looks like a like a fan. He looks small. <laughs> <laughs> Walker Bueller. I think Walker Bueller is the most underrated pitcher on that pitching staff. They are star studded at at the top, they're very top heavy, top heavy. Um, but he quietly was an all-star like fill-in at nine and one with a like one nine ERA let the record. Yeah, I don't even know if I would, I would say that he was like a, like a fill in, you know, like, yeah, I think, I think he has a good, a pretty good case for, for NL Cy Young. Um, I agree. I, I agree. Which else was great. Commentary on the selection committee in the middle of the summer 
for just deciding to omit him from the pitching staff. I didn't understand that until, I don't know, somebody got hurt, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't either, but I think, I think he's got himself a very, very good case to win, to win an outside young. So that'll be pretty cool if he does. Speaking of pitchers, speaking of pitchers with injuries, um, just really quick, the Milwaukee baseball brewers, after they clinched their, route into the postseason star reliever Devin Williams broke his hand <laughs> celebrating by punching a wall and if that's not baseball guy I don't know what is yeah that was that was unexpected when that notification came across my phone uh, yeah. you would have expected that from you know someone on the Yankees if they would have lost a tight game in a wild card race yeah you would have expected not, that from LeBron handsomely yeah yeah, not from a team that handsomely clinched the postseason. So that was anyway, thought very it was... interesting. Yeah. Sucks for the Brewers, though. That is that is quite t- too bad. He's their second best reliever. Um, I didn't have them going very far in the first place, but, yeah, that's nails. Anyways, with that, we transition to football. And my favorite story from this week is about – former Utah football head coach Urban Meyer and all of the weirdness surrounding him as a person. Um, So let's recap. He was hired last winter. And since then, we do this every week because we assail Urban Meyer every week, but it just something new happens again every week. Um, (laughs) He drafted or not drafted. This, this started even before the draft. He hired that strength and conditioning coach from Iowa, you know, the one that was yep. harassing black players on that football team. Um, not a good look when you're surrounded by alpha males in a locker room. Anyways, he got pushed back from that. Come draft. We hated his draft. We thought drafting Travis Etienne was dumb and stupid. Um, he signed Tim Tebow the least capable tight end on a team with not one viable tight end. Let, let the record show that I can't name a single Jacksonville Jaguar. They tight didn't end. have a viable tight end until they made that trade. With the Panthers. So. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And so before that trade, they did not have a tight end on the roster and decided to fix that problem by signing Tim Tebow, you know, the quarterback and baseball player to a, an NFL contract for him to be a tight end. It worked in selling jerseys, though. He was the highest-selling jersey for, like, a two-and-a-half, three-month period. That was dumb. My, my favorite uh, experience from that Tim Tebow tight end experiment was that preseason game when he tried to throw a block. And he oh, yeah, just, and he just couldn't you know, do it. He just fell. Like yeah. Potatoes. He just fell. After they finally cut Tim Tebow, the first man cut in the NFL, let me be clear again, um, they go on to go 0-4. That 0-4 includes a road loss to Cincinnati, which, again, is fine. I am not surprised that Cincinnati won that football game. And frankly, the Jacksonville Jaguars haven't looked like the worst team in the league. I think they're probably second or third worst. Yeah, they've looked far from good, but they've definitely improved since week one in certain areas of the game. 
Anyways, I'm not disputing the fact that Urban Meyer knows his way on a football field because he clearly does. He knows how to scheme and he knows how to run an off. He knows how to run an offense. That I'm not disputing. However, after they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, Urban Meyer did not fly home with the team after a Thursday night football emotional road loss. That's bad. Um, it gets worse when you find out that Urban Meyer stayed in Ohio to go and dance with some college girl at a bar while he is married. Again, I am not going to discuss the ethics of Urban Meyer because that has been a gray area for the majority of his professional <laughs> career. But I don't think it's a good look for a like a, a first year head coach. There is a, a report that then came out at the beginning of this week that said that about half of the Jacksonville Jaguars locker room has been lost. Um, they don't trust the guy. They don't think he has any credibility. So he's lost the locker room. And then the nail in the coffin before their game this weekend, yesterday at practice, the Jacksonville Jaguars broke their huddle with grind on three. So <laughs> I don't think that means they respect Urban Meyer. The owner of the Jaguars said Urban has to come back and um, win back our trust. I don't know how you do that in a room where 50 people could tear you in half, you know, like it'll be very difficult to get those guys back on your side. If the, if you've already lost them, they're Owen for, um, I do think Trevor Lawrence is a, a mega talent, but until things get changed from the top down, I don't see him going anywhere promising, um, this year, or, you know, if this trend continues, the Jaguars, yeah. Last year, we're 1-15. They're 0-4 this year. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a win on that schedule. They will, I'm sure. I, I bet they will win, just because I do think they have talent in some parts of the field. I do like their receivers, and I do like their quarterback. But other than that, they're not looking at a very successful winning season. And so this all culminates in my theory about Urban Meyer. I've just been talking for a while, but it gets better. So... Uh, Clay Helton just got fired as head coach of USC. That was two weeks ago. And the fact that the video of Urban at the bar was leaked at what I read on Twitter, I could be wrong. What I read in Twitter on Twitter as his bar, like the bar he owns, um, mm -hmm. that means he knew what was going on at all times, including all the phones that were out. All of that stuff, especially if he didn't want to get a lot of publicity about his, you know, skipping the flight back to Florida. So he knew that someone was recording that. He knew that it would be a media hailstorm. And I'm thinking he is trying to push himself out of the door at Jacksonville so that he can submit his resume for review at USC for their head football coaching position. What do you think? I think that could be perceived as kind of a stretch, but <laughs> sit here and I mean, it makes sense. Uh, if you things have happened. Is, correct me if I'm wrong. I could be very wrong in this statement, but I, I believe this is the case. If you're fired, you still have to be paid, right? The rest of your contract. I think you have to be paid for the remainder of that year, but I don't think they have to honor your full contract. 
but I could be wrong too. I mean, coaches get fired all the time in the NFL. And if the fact that they signed a big contract and they're not living up to it is a very big money decision for these owners, I feel like coaches would get fired a lot less because owners are in it for the money, not for the winning, you know? I mean, some of them, some of them, but most, most of them, some, most. Are in, some are in it for winning. Yeah. Good for Jerry Jones, I guess. But, um, Owners of professional sports are by and large econ majors, not former athletes. So uh, whatever they perceive to be the good business decision, even if that means eating the salary of a coach for one year and then moving on to a different guy, um, I would be unsurprised to learn that that's what um, most owners would do. But I am unsure about the Financing of NFL head coaches, it's admittedly not my area of expertise. Um, so, yeah, mine as well. But I do want to mention a little bit. Speaking of speaking of owners, I used to hate Jimmy Haslam so much. <laughs> and let me let me just tell you, I like the guy now. I do really, like genuinely. Give me one good reason as to why you've changed your tune on uh, the Haslams. It kind of started changing once they stopped meddling in football business. But the one, the yep. one good thing that they've done that I am amazingly happy about is when there were all those rumors about the Columbus crew moving. They kind of just said "f it" and bought the crew and said, "We're not moving." That's what's up. That is true. We're both Columbus very boys. Nice. I am happy to hear that, but that was great for the city i also think they don't need to meddle as much because they really got the gm right yeah so, um i'm a big fan of andrew barry i don't Love know him. he's yeah. he's one of the best executives in the league and i'd say in pro sports one of the best executives i agree and he's young and he will be around for a while and that's incredibly encouraging uh same with kevin stefanski but that's a that's an andrew barry hire so yeah um, incredible yeah the haslam's got it right by hiring barry um i do like that now, now if only the haslam's can get it right one more time and by the guardians <laughs> by the cleveland baseball guardians yeah because i don't love you them. know they'd be willing to spend more money than the dolans oh i know um no question how did the dolans make their family money by the way <sighs> i'm gonna look it up right now I know some of them are like lawyers, I believe, but you don't make multi-billions from being lawyers. I mean, they're some of the top, I think they're like in the top 10 richest owners in the MLB, but they don't act like it. Yeah, I know. I'm looking it up right now. Family awards and honors. No. Early life, career. Um, after graduating from law school... Paul Dolan was hired as an attorney for his father's law firm, uh, eventually becoming partner in 92. In 2000, Larry Dolan purchased the Cleveland then Indians baseball team. Uh, upon his father taking control of the team, Paul Dolan was hired as a vice president and general counsel. In 04, Paul Dolan was promoted to president and in 2011 promoted again to chairman and CEO. Um, and then in 2013, Paul Dolan was approved by the team owners of the MLB as the control person. Um, and the Associated Press now describes the new role as controlling owner, 
The designation means that Dolan oversees the day-to-day operations and is responsible for compliance with MLB rules and regulations. Um, so what I gleaned from that is this was a pass down from Larry Dolan. Yeah. And what I also gleaned from that is that Paul Dolan really just kind of rode the, rode the coattails of his dad. Yeah, that's what, went, huh? that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't a know. Lawyer. Congratulations on being a, a family of lawyers, I guess. Um, Congrats on the rich dad. Yeah. Anyways, we don't like Paul Dolan. At least I don't. And I hate him. Yeah. This just kind of entrenches that opinion of him in my brain even more. But anyways, we like the Haslams now. Congratulations to them for finally turning around, turning it around after 20 years. And yeah, maybe they'll hire Urban Meyer next. <laughs> Only if we're bad fans. And That's where this lucky. discussion started. <laughs> so anyways. That was very funny week all around. I know. It was incredibly weird. And Urban's a smart enough guy. He's been around the block and dealt with media coverage enough in his career as the second best college football coach in history to know that actions have consequences. And so I think he's like smart guys can't conveniently play dumb, you know, like smart guys are smart guys. I don't buy it. If smart guys turn the light bulb off. Um, So he knew what was going on. He knew how badly this would reflect on the Jaguars and ownership. Um, and so that's why I don't, you know, I, it's, I, I'm just raising these questions. We'll see how it pans out. But, I mean, name one good thing he has done for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. Name one. I'd be hard-pressed to, to think of one. I know. To be quite I, honest with you, I mean. I know. I've been thoroughly unimpressed by him as a coach. Again, in-game, I think he'll be fine because he knows his way around a football field. That's again, not really what I'm worried about, but I mean, you're playing Alabama every week. So (laughs) that's, that's a good way to put it. That's another statement. The way he, the way he coaches um, and the way just looking at purely like touch it standpoint on the Jaguars, he just lets Trevor Lawrence let it rip. Five touchdowns, seven picks on the year. But only, only, what was it? Let me see. I think it was 800 yards, 700 yards. 700 yards, I think. No, 873, sorry. Um, so five touchdowns, seven picks. And James, James Robinson has 49 carries. Only the- um, I, I don't, I don't think you... I, I just don't agree with the with the let your rookie quarterback go out and throw the ball. Yeah. What? Yeah, don't he has let... he has 142 pass attempts through four weeks. That's that's incredible. Um, I mean, for a rookie quarterback, like that's crazy. Yeah, like 30, 36 passes a game for a rookie. That's insane. I mean, when you're, when be you're about star running back, has yeah. 49, 49 carries through four weeks, 12, 12 point something a game. No, no, that's got to change. 
you're not gonna you they will go zero and seventeen if they don't start giving. If that is the distribution of touches, I agree. I I wholeheartedly agree. Um, but enough about the Jaguars. As always, we end our show with our favorite line bets. Over the first two weeks that we've been doing this, Will is five and one. I am three and three. So basically we're the same. And <laughs> um, anyways, we've got some picks. Uh, Will, you want to throw your first one at me? Yeah, so my first pick, I'm going to go Raiders at home against the Bears, minus five and a half. Uh, okay. I like the Raiders in this. Kind of scares me a little bit because the Raiders always seem to play to the competition, whether it's they play the Chiefs so they play better or they play a bad team so they play worse. That's how I've noticed they've been the last year or two. Uh, so a little nervous, but, and yes, I'm a little, you know, I'm using my biased opinion from watching the Browns Bears game. Um, Oakland, or I I said Oakland, uh, Las Vegas has, doesn't have the pass rush that Cleveland has. But that Bears O-line, is, it's tough. And Justin Fields only making his third career start. That's tough. I, I think Khalil Mack is, is hurt as well, maybe. It, he might it's be, tough. but that offensive line is bad. Uh, David Montgomery's hurt. Justin Fields' third career start. They're playing a great team. And um, yeah. At home, too. Yeah, it's it's a recipe for disaster. The offensive line is, you know, it changes every week. And Matt Nagy yeah. on the hot seat, so I don't. I mean, there was there were discussions that Nick Foles would start this game, so that's the that's the state of affair, the state of the union with the Bears right now. Forgot he still even existed. Exactly. To be quite honest with you, but yeah, I I think that I this is more of a bet against the bears than it is a bet on the Raiders. If that makes sense. It does make sense. My first bet this weekend will be bills plus two and a half versus the Kansas city chiefs. The chiefs on defense can't stop a nosebleed. Um, I think every single one of their opponents has scored over 30 points on them. And that includes the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Buffalo Bills have demonstrated this year, except against the Steelers, again, for some reason, that they can score at will. Um, Stephon Diggs is a touchdown waiting to happen. Josh Allen has gotten his accuracy back in throwing the football, and the Bills' defense has considerably stepped up um, since that first week of the season. Um, even though they played some pretty bottom feeder teams, they have put up they posted two shutouts in four games. I don't care who you play. A shutout is difficult. And yeah. they've done it twice. That defense we is aggressive. That defense is twitchy. And I think it'll be a shootout. The line, it, like the over-under is 56 and a half. Um, I, would take the, I would take the over. Uh, I'm not going to bet that. But uh, Bills plus two and a half. I think in a battle of better units, the Bills offense is better than how bad the Kansas City defense is, if that makes sense. Like, if they're both at a mid-ground, uh, the Bills offense has a larger absolute value than the Chiefs defense does. 
The Bills are better offensively than the Chiefs are worse defensively, if that makes any sense at all. Maybe it doesn't, but this is just me saying that the Bills offense is too good and the Kansas City Chiefs defense, Kansas City Chiefs defense, excuse me, is too bad. Yes, Chiefs defense. Um, I think Bills win and, you know, money line it. I see the Bills winning by a touchdown. Bold strokes. That's bold. I have a less bold pick for my second pick. <laughs> for this pick, I am willing to go Dallas minus seven. I usually stray away from really? you know, big touchdown lines, but it's in Dallas, I think, um, against the Giants. I actually don't know where it is. Um, but regardless, they're playing the Giants. Um, it's in Dallas. That's the Cowboys have looked good this year. Like I think I think they're a legitimate contender in the NFC. And that's saying something where there's the Buccaneers and the Packers who have been playing very well since the since that stinker in week one. Um, we'll put it this way the Cowboys are a fifty yard Ryan Suckup field goal away from being four and oh, including a win yeah. against the Chargers and the Panthers. Yeah, no, they're they're a very good team. Their problem last year was the defense, and it's I guess still their weak link this year. But I don't know. I mean, nearly as considerable a margin. I mean, I think what is it? I think Quandre Diggs won defensive player. The uh, the Quandre Diggs plays for the. um, He plays for whoever the Rams. He plays for the Seahawks. It's Trayvon Diggs. Right, Trayvon Diggs. Okay, I knew it was. I knew it was a Diggs who was a DB. <laughs> um, I think. I think he just won Defensive Player of the Month. Could be wrong. I mean, he's got five picks uh, in four games. So yes, I hope he won. <laughs> but that defense has played really well. But speaking of them, shocking move releasing a guy two years removed from a Pro Bowl who's still pretty young. I don't know about that. Well. But- I've he got been playing well. He's played awful this year, but he, he was bound to pick it back up. And they do have the depth, but why not look to trade him rather than just dropping him? They save $9 million in cap by just releasing him, you know? Okay. So it's a money thing. The Cowboys tend to overpay. I mean, Dak is insanely well compensated. So is Amari Cooper. I get that. You pay for your quarterback and star receiver. They're paying um, their offensive line a lot. They're playing Demarcus Lawrence a lot. And again, those are important. Zeke's making. They're also paying Zeke a lot of money for the production that he is not giving. Um, That looks like a very bad contract in the NFL. The second worst contract would have been uh, Jalen Smith because he was a backup making $9 million a year. And so by releasing him, they took that off of their books and replaced him with a better version of himself in Micah Parsons. And I don't feel bad for Jalen Smith because he's still going to get paid that $9 million this year. And he's going to the Packers, which are an even better a competitor as well. So, I don't feel bad uh, for Jalen Smith, but to your point though, Zeke is having a good year this year. He is having I'm a looking, fine year, but, but Tony Pollard over is, five yards a carry with four touchdowns. Again, to he's put, to fine, put that but... into perspective, 
the Giants' leading rusher is Daniel Jones, who has 188 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, I'm not. Com- I mean, I'm not saying that Zeke is a bad running back, but he's getting paid as if he is Emmett Smith. He, he might in be prime. in his prime, Emmett Smith. Like he's okay, getting paid well, a lot of money. I think we should see where where Zeke's season and numbers come in because I think they'll be very good. I think so too. I think so too. We'll revisit this towards the end of the year, but um, he's not his rookie self. I am very much pro pay the player. Don't get me wrong, but when you're already paying so many different units, so much money, it's a salary cap league, Um, but they've been able to work it to the point where they're back to being a contender. So um, that move looks pretty good right now. If the Cowboys were bad, uh, we'd be circling that Zeke move and saying, why'd you pay the running back when Tony Pollard is really, really good as well? So, but we don't have to. Yeah. They're good. But we don't have to because they're good. So, they're very good. My next pick, I, hmm, the lines this week, we were talking a lot of trap games. Um, I don't love a lot of the lines. They're all very sticky to me. But I do like the San Francisco 49ers plus five at the Cardinals. And here's why. I think that line should open as a three-point line, maybe four. You get a lot of value at five. But the 49ers' defense is still incredible. The Cardinals have played good teams. Don't get me wrong. They've played good teams in the air four and one, but the rate that their offense is playing is not sustainable. They are due for a loss at some point and playing a defense like the Niners, I think will bring them back down to earth a little bit. I'm not picking the Niners to win, but I'm picking them to cover the spread. I think when Jimmy Garoppolo plays healthy behind a good offensive line, they are a really good team. Obviously the quarterback is the question mark right now. Um, I think Trey Lance might be supposed to start this weekend. Um, And yeah, Trey Lance is starting this weekend. I think he'll give the Arizona defense a lot of varied looks that a pocket quarterback cannot. Um, And he's got a rifle for an arm and I think he'll be able to beat the Arizona defense over the top and with his legs. I think they keep it close. I don't think they win, but I'd take San Francisco plus five. Divisional games are always close. Um, And so I'd say it's more of a field goal game than a touchdown game. But that's where I land on that one. It's the 430 game, so a lot of national TV coverage. Uh, We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Should be interesting. Uh, I was actually going to bet on that same game and I was not going to take the Niners plus five (laughs) but I also don't think the Cardinals are going to cover so I was going to take Cardinals money line (laughs) Cardinals money line okay so we pretty much agree on that game yeah okay that makes sense all right um that's been three bets for you right I've I've got one more I want to bet Ravens money line or Ravens money line, Ravens spread versus the Colts because I think the Indianapolis Colts offensive line is bad right now. 
and that's not something we're used to saying about the Colts, but with Quentin Nelson being down, they lose so much run blocking in that interior offensive line that they can't get Jonathan Taylor going. They can't get his legs churning at all. So I'll take the Baltimore Ravens minus seven at home versus the Indianapolis Colts with a banged up turnover prone Carson Wentz, a bad offensive line and an Indianapolis Colts defense that has lost three games so far. The Ravens are three and one. We know how dynamic they are offensively. Um, I would feel much more comfortable if this spread was minus five and a half, but it opened at minus seven and it stayed at minus seven. Um, and I, I'll take the Ravens minus seven. However, I say that with a grimace on my face. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I just, I just want to say this. I'm sorry. This is kind of a, a little off topic. But you mentioned Carson Wentz being banged up. I still find it so hilarious that the guy sprained both of his ankles in one play. I know. How do you do that? <laughs> how, how does that even happen how do you uh, the most injury prone quarterback in the league i think that's fair I, to say yeah i remember seeing that um on on an injury report it said carson Wentz ankles and i was like oh maybe yeah. maybe just a typo so i looked it up and it said carson Wentz sprains both ankles in one play. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I do like a lot of what the Colts do. I like their wide receivers and I like Jonathan Taylor. And normally I like their offensive line, but their whole team runs through their offensive line. If that's not working, nothing else does because Carson Wentz is not a quarterback that does well under pressure. He does disproportionately poor. I mean, no quarterback does well under pressure, Um, but some quarterbacks handle it a lot better than others. Actually, I take it back. Some quarterbacks are good under pressure. I think Patrick Mahomes is better under pressure than in a stable pocket. But Carson Wentz... Just because that means there's less people in coverage and he just picks yeah. it apart. Yeah, but Carson Wentz is absolutely not that because he's about as mobile as a tree uh, with two sprained ankles. So the fact that their offensive line is porous going up against a very good rush defense and pass rush in the Baltimore Ravens, I can see it getting, ha- getting out of hand pretty quickly. Yeah, I can see that as well. That's all I'm saying. Good pick. So, I had Ravens, Niners, and what was my first game? (laughs) Uh, This shows I'm very not confident in my (laughs) Ravens, Ravens, Niners, and Bills. Okay. Ravens, Niners, Bills. Yep, and I'm riding with Cowboys, Cardinals, and I think I also forget mine. Um, uh, Raiders. Raiders, yeah. All right. Um, you heard it here, folks. Listen to the person who's made you money the first two weeks we've done this. <laughs> hey, I'll bounce back. I could be six and three this week. Yeah, and I could be eight and one. You could be. So I guess only time will tell. Um, but, but anyways, any fadeaway takes before we, before we go, any fadeaway takes? Yes, actually. Um, the, the new guardians already making changes and this one I am not mad at. I don't know if you saw it. We fired the hitting coach, Ty Van Berkley. 
I did see that. Um, I think largely in professional sports, like quarterback coaches and hitting coaches and stuff are more there for decoration than actual input. However, I think he was, you could argue, a detriment to that offense. I mean, the, t- the team hasn't hit well in, in probably years. four years. Yeah. So it lines up with when he came. Yeah. You know, so no. So I'm I'm okay with it. Even if it's not his fault, you could at least try to get someone new, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it can't be worse. Yeah. I mean, we have to be towards the bottom of the league and run scored per game. So certainly the reason the only reason we were in games last year was because of the pitching. And once every starting pitcher on the roster got hurt, uh, that was kind of game over for the season. So yeah, still salvaged it at 80 and 82. Oh, yeah. And if we could have beaten the Rangers one more time in that last series, it would have been 500. But oh, I know. alas. You know, that'll happen. And yeah. it'll be it'll be a fun year next year, I think. You just got to pray that Savali, Plesak, and Bieber are all healthy. Cal Quantrill will be a full-time starter. I predict the rotation to be Bieber, Savali, Plesak, um, Quantrill, McKenzie, maybe McKenzie Quantrill. Yeah. That's what that's, I. Do. That's that's been my prediction. All right. I like that. Yeah, me too. And I I still think I still think Nolan Jones will find his day onto the open. Will find his way onto the opening day roster. I like it. If not on the opening day roster, he'll get called up in June or July so that his service time doesn't start. But we can milk him for free at bats. Um, he'll be up next year no matter what. I don't know yeah, where they put I mean, him. He though. should be. He's been in AAA for a while. Yes, and raking in AAA, but it's difficult when you have a top five NB, MVP caliber player playing your position. Yeah, I mean, they're trying. They're working him a little bit at left field, so I would not be opposed. I would like also to- a sleeper that I would like to see in Cleveland at some point if, if Jimenez, Jimenez – I don't know exactly how he pronounces it. Um, yeah. If he struggles, don't be surprised to see Gabriel Arias come up. I feel like he was kind yeah. of just a throw-in in what was it, the Clevenger trade? Yeah. I think he was just kind of like a throw-in, it felt like. And he's a power speed shortstop. So that's what you need. I would have no complaints. Move him to second base if the defense isn't there. We'll keep Ahmed at short, even though his defense can be shaky at times. No, he but, can I mean, he once he once he became the full time shortstop, he hit a lot better. So yeah. I'd rather have him hitting better and making you know an an error a week, if that. Throwback to yeah. when he tried to tell us that he would be a center fielder. Remember that? <laughs> I mean, he the the dude can flat out fly on the bases i mean oh, he's I got agree. the speed to play center field but i agree but but he's an infielder through and through <laughs> he can't yeah. put him in the outfield no absolutely not but but yeah um anything else i think i'm good to to send us off this week and do our hopes and dreams yeah i believe that's all all right Well, folks, we'll see you next week with week six of the NFL and whatever Urban Meyer decides to do again. But as always, I'm Isaac. And I'm Will. We will catch you next time. Peace.
See ya.